We are in the last week of a series entitled Choices, and it's just looking at foundational truth about essential choices that we make, and I would submit to you that we make all of the time in the living of life things that are foundational to being a follower of Jesus, like making disciples first week. Looked at truth out of Matthew 28, God's great commission for us. All about making disciples, and we have the choice and opportunity to do that or not. Praying next week. Choices to pray, and not just to pray, but to pray in, in the way and how it is that Jesus called us and instructs us to pray. Truth out of Acts 2 truth out of Luke 11. Then we looked at truth about growing spiritually, another essential part, foundational to being a follower of Jesus. Growing, maturing, walking with the Lord, learning and understanding what it means to be a disciple. Truth that came again out of the example of the Acts 2 church. And then the next week, week four, about being right with God, about being in a right relationship, so important. We know that that's true in our life and the people that are a part of our lives. Right relationships. God desires that. It's essential. And we looked at truth out of First, Second uh, Chronicles 7. And then last week, truth about being selfless. Not selfish, selfless. Again, the Acts 2 church is an example. And then Luke 9, when Jesus speaks about losing our life to save it. What does that look like and what does that mean? We looked at that truth. To be selfless. Selfless before God and to God. This week, we're going to look at another foundational truth. To worship God fully or not. It's a choice that we have, a choice that we make. I want to submit to you that's one of the things that I truly believe, and that's been my experience as a pastor throughout the years, that's a real, a real struggle. There's, there's great uh, cultural pressure in a session to this thing called worship, despite it being an essential part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and being right with him. So we're going to look at truth about that. But first, a question. What do you think it means to worship God. What is worship? How would you define it? I, I, I ask that question to get you to start to, to think and maybe open up your heart a little bit to truth. Is worship what we're doing now? Is it all about Songs we sing or the prayers that are offered, the sermon? Is, is that what worship is, wholly and completely? Is that what it's all about? To help us to understand and grasp the fullness of worship, we're going to look at a number of different truths. It's going to be kind of like one of those deals where you just got to Buckle up and, and follow along. Going to be a little fast-paced. 
because there's a lot that goes into worship. Could probably spend a whole month just focusing on it, but we're going to do it pretty quickly. So hopefully, at no detriment to the great Lord our God and what worship is designed to be. And the first thing that I'm going to do is ask you to go back with me into the Old Testament in terms of a history lesson, a little bit of context that really helps us understand what it is that worship is all about. Are any of you familiar with the Ark of the Covenant? Remember what the Ark of the Covenant was? Yeah, it was a a box, a very ornate one, that God commanded and then told the Israelites how to build. And there's all kinds of instructions about it in Exodus 25. If you were to read Exodus 25, 10 to 21, you read about how it is that God told them to construct the Ark of the Covenant. And there's a picture of it up on the screen, overlaid with gold poles so that you wouldn't touch it. A lot lot of details that went into it. And so God shares with the Israelites how it is that they are to construct and build the covenant. And then he says this, and this is what is really important. And by the way, um, the Ark of the Covenant was being built to hold the truth in the word that God gave, the Ten Commandments that he gave to Moses. That's what was placed in the ark. That was it. So truth. And then this is what God says about it. So this is after it's all been, he given all the instructions, ready to place it into the temple. This is what he says, and this is essential. Therefore, above the cover between the two cherubim, do you see them with the wings touching each other? The two cherubim that are over the ark of the testimony, here's what he says, I will meet with you. I will meet with you and give you all my commands for the Israelites. I'll meet with you. That's where I'll be. Now maybe you know where the ark of the covenant was destined to be in the temple. So the Ark of the Covenant was put into the temple that they then constructed, and it was put in the inmost place, a place called the Holies of Holies. So, so you got the, the Ark with the truth in it, in the innermost part of the temple, the Holy of Holies, and that's where God said he would meet. And when it's placed in there, finally, I want to read these words out of Exodus 40. Verses 34 to 38 about worship and about presence. So this is what happened when the ark actually went into the temple, into the Holy of Holies. This is what it says, Exodus 40, verses 34 to 38. Then the cloud covered the tent of the meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Just try to picture this. The cloud covered the tent of the meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord had filled the tabernacle. It was so full, so amazing, not even Moses could enter in. And it said, in all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted above the tabernacle, they'd set out, and if the cloud didn't lift up, then they would stay until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire 
in the cloud by night in the sight of the house of Israel during all of their travels. And so what we want you to pick up out of that is, so the ark is in the temple. There's a visual representation of that, of God's glory, of God's presence, right? A cloud and a fire. And if you're familiar with um, the travels of the Israelites, when that would move, the people would move just as that passage says, and when it stayed, they stayed. They stayed in the presence of God and by God. And that presence was in the temple. Are, are you tracking that? So uh, important to catch that, and I want you just to hang on to that. We're going to get back to that. An important fact and truth about what worship is and about how worship occurs for us today. What happened to the ark after a period of, of a long time, hundreds of years, they have the ark, and it's there in the temple, but then something happens to the ark. The Philistines, an enemy, neighboring country, comes in and they take it. They wanted to take the ark because they thought they'd always been battling with the Israelites, and they thought if they could take the ark, they would literally be able to take the favor of God away from Israel. God in a box. If we get that box, and that's where God is, then we'll have their God, and they'll be powerless. So I, I, I see some smiles. That's the way that they thought. They served gods of wood and of stone and of metal. Think about that for a minute today. And so they thought if they could get God away from the Israelites, they'd have his favor. Didn't work out that way. Favor was with the people of Israel. But it was a disgrace to somebody named David. Anybody remember David? Yeah, that David. The one who goes down into the valley, slays Goliath, was a king, most powerful king on the face of the earth ever. The one who God called who? The man after his own heart. It was a disgrace to David that the Philistines had the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant, the presence and the glory of God was to be in his temple, not in a foreign land to be there with his chosen people, the Israelites. So he goes and he defeats them. You can read about that in First Chronicles 14 and 15. And then he brings it back. He does everything that he said he was going to do. He goes out, he defeats the Philistines, he gets the covenant, Ark of the Covenant back, and he brings it into the temple. And he prays over it. And the reason I wanted to share all of that with you because his prayer is found in 1 Chronicles 16. We read verses 28 and 29. Really gets at the heart of worship. See, God's presence, truth in an ark in the temple. Presence. Visual representation of it. Are you tracking all of that? And then David goes in before God in his presence in the temple, and he prays this prayer. Listen to it closely. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. 
tremble before him all the earth. Did you catch what happened in David's prayer about what he's saying, about what is true about worship? Coming before the Lord, giving him glory, acknowledging his glory and his strength, coming before him and worshiping him in the splendor of his holiness. So what David is saying, and he understands what true worship is all about, true worship is to God and for God and about God. He doesn't come in and he doesn't say anything about himself. That's not why the, the glory of the Lord was there in the ark in the temple. It was to worship him. David acknowledges that, and he says, hey, I'm here to give you, acknowledge your glory, your holiness, your presence, your power, your majesty. I'm here to worship you, God, in the splendor of your holiness. He gave all of his worship to God. It was all for God, and it was all about God. That's why David was a man after God's own heart. He understood what true worship was, and it's how he worshiped. I want you to think about that for a minute. What would it be like for you if it were true and possible to be in the visible presence of God? I love the song I can only imagine. <laughs> it's about that. Don't know if you'd be still or not be able to speak. If you'd dance and you'd praise, what would you do? Who would you be? Yeah, I think about people getting in front of people who are famous and celebrities. We're going to see a little bit about that later on tonight in the Super Bowl. Taylor somebody? Yeah, I always call her Taylor slow. My kids hate it when I do that. And then the pro football players. All the famous people. How do people act when they come face to face with a celebrity? Kind of lose their focus a little bit, don't know what to say sometimes, stumble over their words, get all shook up. I think about um, royalty, England. We don't really have a monarchy here. We, don't, we have a president and famous people, powerful people. I think of royalty, what happens. You ever see those events on TV when king or the queen comes in and everybody is just silent and they all turn and they're all focused and it's, you can't say or do anything wrong or disrespectful. It's crazy. There's all kinds of reverence given. And then I think about God. I think about coming into his presence. What's it supposed to be like? What is it like? Are you connecting the, the dots about true worship? True worship that is to God and for God and all about God. 
Jesus spoke about true worship. He spoke about it at a lot of different times, a lot of different ways. And he spoke about it directly, kind of like a little side conversation that he has with the woman at the well. She brings it up. There's so much about true worship, and I submit to you that was a moment of true worship. True, true worship is meant to be uplifting and life-giving, and it was for her. She speaks about worshiping on a mountain that's different than how the Jews worship. And Jesus' response is this. John 4, verses 23 and 24. Sorry for that text not being real clear. But you have it in your Bibles and you can hear what Jesus says. Yet a time is coming and is now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in what? In spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. I'll read that one more time. Yet a time is coming and is now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Remember the history lesson? Ark, temple, the presence of God. See, that's the way it always was. And still is. The presence of God is what worship is all about. His truth, His grace, His being contained before us. Recognizing what it's all about to, for Him. Just as it was back in the Old Testament, just as it was for David, so too is it for us. And so here's a question. So you, Ark of the Covenant Temple, here's a question for you. Where is the presence of God found now, today? Right there. Right there. You see why Jesus says, yet a time is coming and has now come? He's speaking about himself. And what he promises in John 14, are you familiar with that passage? I'm going to give you another, the counsel of the Holy Spirit, and he will come in and he will live with you and be with you. How blessed are we! To have the spirit of the living God inside. If we did catch the fullness of that and what that means in terms of how it is that we live, we would all be different people. The fullness of it, what it means, and and, and what a privilege and what what an incredible thing it is. Truth and grace inside Jesus Christ, gift of the Holy Spirit. 
for anybody who opens up their heart. Revelation 3.20, stand at the door and knock. If you open it up, I'll come in, I'll be with you. It's an incredible gift. It's one that, that Jesus is celebrating and speaking about. It's happened, it's here, it's now. And those are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. There's a challenge in these words. God of Spirit, his worships must, his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Powerful things to think about, to envision, to consider about what it means to worship God fully and wholly completely to understand and know and so you made the connections about the presence of God in a heart and in a life in terms of worship his presence and then you understand that it's to God for God and about God always right worship and then we think about our lives. Here's the challenge in our worship, even our time together. And maybe that's how you've been thinking about worship. It certainly is a time that we do worship God. I think about his presence and everybody here that knows Jesus bringing it. think about the focus of worship, what it was and has always been. David beautifully putting it out in those words. And I think, is that what our worship of God is? Is it to him, for him, and all about him? Always. Or is there a slight chance that somehow we've made worship about us? the songs we sing is a prayer too long or too short did the pastor get it right this morning did you like his message or didn't you worship is to God for God and all about God always true worship that's the kind of worshipers that Jesus says the Father seeks. Powerful truth, powerful truth. Think about what that means and what it says about worship. And not about how other people worship God, about how you worship God. What does it mean from day to day? What does it mean as you gather together to worship the Lord your God and to worship him in spirit and truth and to have your worship be about him only, to him and for him? I go back to the example of the Acts 2 church. There's some powerful things that are shared things that we probably can zip right over. 
I just want to read verses 46 and 47. There's a key statement in here that I think we miss about worship. See if you can find it before I share it with you. Acts 2, 46 and 47. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Did you catch it? Every day. Every day. And then you look down, it said what? And the Lord added to their number daily. See, God's pleased with their worship. And who it is that they were being is profound and it's wonderful. And that everyday peace is critical to us understanding what worship is all about. Worship is not just a Sunday event. It's a lifestyle. And it's a choice. It's a choice to choose every day personally and when we're together. Just to clarify that a little further. You familiar with the Ten Commandments at all? Some of you. Listen to the first three commandments. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You should not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth below or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children of the sin of the fathers to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. And then this beautiful phrase, for showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. So question for you. If this is what worship has become, can you not have an idol on a day other than Sunday? Can you not bow down to other gods on a day other than Sunday? Are you called to keep God's commandments only on Sunday? See, right from the beginning, Worship was about the presence of God in a heart and a life, always. Always. He shared that with us and wants us to understand that. He wants us to live lives that are pleasing and holy to him all of the time. That's worship full of spirit and of truth. And yes, even when we gather together, it is so powerful and it is so profound what worship is. And we have the opportunity to radiate, remember the presence of God, to radiate that wherever we're at. Salt and light, seasoning and shining, wherever we go. Why? Because we carry about inside of us as followers of Jesus, his presence. And we either look at him as a God in a box 
or we look at him as a God of glory who fills our whole lives. And we have those privileges and those opportunities. Think about them. Do you have a privilege and an opportunity to worship God at school? Of course you do. Do you have the, the, the capability to worship God at work? Of course you do. Do you have the capability to worship God in your home, with your family, with your children, with your spouse? Of course you do. Do you have the choice to worship God or not when you're frustrated or upset with somebody because they did something you didn't like? Of course you do. He all kinds of opportunities all the time to worship the great Lord our God and let his presence be known, to emanate his glory, his majesty, his truth, his grace. It's profound, this thing called worship. And it's a privilege and an opportunity for all of us to seize, to not just, to the dismay of God, turn it into a one hour a week event. And even then, to make it about us. Worship is a beautiful thing. It's a privilege, it's an honor to come before God in his presence, to celebrate his truth, to pour out our praise, to spend time with him in prayer, together as the body of Jesus, and then to go out and worship him all the more. That's what worship is about. That's what Jesus was speaking about. And the Ten Commandments. It's a lifestyle. But it is a choice. And this whole series has been about choices. Choices that are foundational again to people who would call themselves followers of Jesus. It's all God desires is for you to be a living witness to a lost and a hurting world. See, even our time together, it's about Jesus and we think about truth and purposes. It's about people not here yet. People who come and gather with us to be Jesus to them to shine its light, to be salt and light. So that the glory of God would be shared and known and seen. Powerful stuff. Well, again, a choice. An everyday choice. As you think about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, anything contained in this whole series and the truth, the truth of the living God, that's where it's at. Not anything I would say. All this. Choose well. Worship the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Let him know that you love him. Make it about him.
Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you for your word and your truth. It's so precious. It's so profound. And it's so real. Lord, I praise you for for the privilege of worshiping you each and every day and for the privilege of worshiping you even now. Gathered together in the temple, your presence shining and radiating. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing. All praise, glory, and honor to you, Lord God. Fill us with your presence. Now and always, in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.